The Leader's Journey by Graham Brown. So what is a leader? A leader is anybody who makes change. Seth Godin writes, how was your day? If your answer was fine, then I don't think you were leading. You see, leadership is not a job title. Leadership is a privilege. Anybody who steps up and decides to make change. Change is always uncomfortable, and that's why leadership is hard. If you want to be liked, get a dog. If you want to lead, be prepared to face resistance. That's why I wrote the book, The Leader's Journey. There's a big difference between being a manager and being a leader. Leaders change, managers optimize. Let me explain. Long time ago, John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, stood before Congress and promised that they would take mankind to the moon by the end of the decade and back again. That was in 1961, 60 years ago, long before color television, long before the internet and blockchain. But they managed to get a man to, to the moon and safely home again, thanks to leadership. And importantly, the key skill in the tool set of a leader is storytelling. And storytelling is about change. Storytelling is about taking people across. What do I mean by that? Well, if you present the challenge of change to a manager, you could say to a manager, take us to the moon, please get mankind to the moon and back again. What would a manager do? A manager would build a taller tower. And if you look around us today, we need leaders in the 2020s, all around, there isn't these tsunamis of crisis. They're just constant waves. COVID-19 pandemic, work from home, the fourth industrial revolution, the Asian century, digital transformation. All of these disruptions are transformations. And transformation is itself a story. Look at that word again, trans, change, form, shape. All of these disruptions require a new shape of business, a new way of thinking, a new approach. That's why we need leaders, because leaders, through the stories they tell, can help us cross the threshold and make change. Steve Jobs, when he presented to the board the idea of what Apple could become, they had to depart their idea of what Apple was. Apple was a PC, a computer, a desktop, a laptop manufacturer. But Apple became the most valuable IT company in the world because Steve Jobs was able to get them to cross the threshold. And that is not easy. And that is why leadership is hard. Take a look at the moonshot as an example. You know, back then, politicians like ex-President Eisenhower, who were very influential, called the race to the moon, quote, nuts, unquote. You know, many Republican politicians suggested that Kennedy should be spending more money on military space efforts nearer the Earth than on what he or they called a lunar adventure. And it wasn't just the right-wing politicians. There were scientists. In 1961, new scientist was calling for a halt to the moon race. 
in their Apollo 8 editorial seven years later, and less, um, less than a year before the actual successful moon landing, the magazine said that the mission was empty and an obsessional quest. And, quote, the true scientific value of the Apollo project is virtually nil. There were studies, sociologist Etzionist concurred with evidence from 113 scientists not associated with NASA that, quote, most of these scientists agree from the viewpoint of science, there is no reason to rush a man to the moon. That is the challenge you face as a leader. Every day, experts tell you why it shouldn't be done, can't be done, won't be done. And that is why leadership is not a popularity contest. Because people don't like change. People like staying in their safe, comfortable world and not crossing that threshold. Crossing the river requires a leap, a risk. And that is why we need leaders, because managers cannot optimize their way across that threshold. In 1878, the chief engineer, think about that, the top dog expert, the chief engineer of the then British post office called Edison's light bulb, quote, an absolute fairy tale. And a parliament committee, the British parliament, said it was unworthy of the attention of practical or scientific men. A dig, if anything, at their counterparts across the Atlantic. You know, experts tell us what's possible based on what is. That is the not. That is a, a, a fixation on predicting the future based on normalcy. It's called a normalcy bias in psychology. It's the same reason for example, that the Boeing 787 MAX crashed twice in a year because the experts concluded that air travel had become so safe that they didn't need to implement the necessary override safety systems, which upon removal caused two crashes. It's a normalcy bias. The future will be like the past. It's an optimization of the past. And you can't optimize your way across the river. You have to take a leap of faith. Experts told us the same when the great discoverers, the great adventurers set out to discover the world in obviously a very imperial narrative. Colonists, the world was already discovered. But in the context of the Europeans going and discovering the world, many experts told us that the world was flat. And if we've believed them, we never would have explored it. You know, around us leaders, there are smart people, experts. If you go back and look at some of the greatest leaders of our time, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, John F. Kennedy, Steve Jobs even, they've all faced adversity and hardship, and rejection. And if you look at the six stages of the leader's journey in my book, you'll see that rejection is a core part 
of the transition. It's the fourth stage in the leader's journey. The stepping up stage one, the depart stage two, the crossing of the threshold effectively. Stage three is the adventure, the challenge, the rocky road. Stage four is the rejection. The rejection being the point at which your trusted, quote unquote, network, connections, people you thought believed in you, turn their back on you. Or you have to leave them behind. And that's why if you look at the leader's journey, that that stage four becomes a pivotal, defining moment in your transformation. Meaning, at that point, you realize what is true and what is not. Because you have created this reality, this interpretation of the world around you based on many of the narratives that you have inherited from the people around you. And yet those people around you reject you. And now you have to step back. And this is where most people fail. This is where startup founders fail. This is where leaders fail. This is where politicians fail. This is where so many people fail. Because the hardship of leadership is actually easy. It's easy being a startup founder and just hustling and doing 15-hour days. That's easy. The hard part is rejection. The hard part is having to leave people behind. The hard part is having to say to those people, you're not part of this and I'm going to have to take this on my own. That's hard because we are social by design and therefore the worst outcome for any individual, confident or not, is to be rejected, to be ostracized. You know, if you look at society if you're a criminal we put you in prison and what do they do to the worst criminals in prison they put them in solitary confinement rejection that's for the that's the worst punishment for the worst people in society and therefore we feel that pain that Working 12, 15 hours a day, knocking on doors. That's not pain. That's just hard work. The pain is rejection. The pain is being unpopular. And therefore, that pivotal moment in the hero's journey, that stage four becomes a defining test. Is your belief strong enough? Do you believe, do you have enough faith that you will make it to the next stage? Because this is the test. If not, if you cannot pass through, then you will not have made change. And most people turn back. It's too hard. In 1965, Martin Luther King, who I believe is one of the greatest orators of all time and probably one of the most influential figures of the 20th century, Martin Luther King was involved deeply in the civil rights movement of the United States. In 1965, according to Gallup, the pollsters, they found that Martin Luther King's rating was 45% positive and 45% negative, net zero. 
there were as many negative critics of King as there were positive critics, sorry, positive supporters, right? Back when he was in it, back when he was making change, he wasn't seen as some kind of gift to American history that he is now. 30 years later, in 1999, at the turn of the millennium, Gallup found King to be the second most admired person in history. Imagine that. What happened? Because King was dead now for 30 years. But now he had gone from being just zero, net negative, to now being the second most admired person in history. Because that's the point. Leadership is not a popularity contest. Leadership is choosing the path of most resistance. It's about committing to a story that may be unpopular, divisive, and importantly, misunderstood. Now, leadership isn't just about conversations about what we need to do. It's about the future we need to create. And that is the power of leadership, telling the story of where we need to go. Look at the leader's journey, the six stages in my book. Stepping up, picking yourself, stage one. The depart, the crossing the river, the crossing the threshold, the leaving of comfort, stage two. The challenges, the rocky road, the adventures, the adversity, the, you know, the antagonist that pop out on the journey, on the path, ambush you. The heroes that you form together, the band of adventurers, the guides, the mentors that come to you, maybe not for the whole journey, but guide you through the next stage, stage three. The rejection, stage four. Looking inside yourself and finding your innermost truth, facing your inner fears and doubts and stepping forward. Stage five, the realization. The realization is in the classic hero's journey, the monomyth, in religion, in all great stories, is the rebirth. In Christianity, it's the epiphany and Easter. Jesus dies and then he is reborn. In so many myths, we see this. In Lord of the Rings, Gandalf dies and is reborn. In the Apple myth, Steve Jobs is booted out of Apple and is reborn. The second coming of Steve Jobs. The second coming. And that's why when we experience these monomyths, the, the leader's journey, the second coming is the realization. It's when you reframe the problem in a new way. Apple, Steve Jobs, second coming, was not about coming back and building great software. It was coming back and building the iPhone, the iPod, tools which touch people's lives. That was the second coming. It required a reframe and in many ways a different approach to the problem. And we all face this. If we want to create change, change lies at the other side of that realization. You cannot solve the problem using 
an existing paradigm. You know, in many ways, the problem is how we solve the problem. So if you want to solve the problem and create change, you can't simply optimize your way there. Think about it. Is that everything that has manifested in your life, all the business results that you have right now are the results of your best strategy. Your best thinking got you where you are today, personally, professionally, and your team. So if you want to change, if you want to change the reality around you, you have to change your thinking. You can't optimize your way to a better result. Sure, you can, but it's going to take a long, long time. You can't build a taller tower to the moon. So really, when we look at leadership, we look at leadership as the path of most resistance. Because really what it's about is telling stories to engage people, bring them across the threshold, and then ultimately having to, at some point, take the last part of the journey on your own. And that requires not hard work, but self-belief. Success in the last part of the journey requires a simple formula. Is the cost of not changing greater than the cost of changing? For leaders, this could be simple. If the cost of not changing is too high, then they will make change. Yet, a lot of people worry too much about what other people think. We worry about the expectations of other people. That's why if you look at leaders, often they are outliers. Winston Churchill was strange, to say the least. He was quirky. He was a little bit of a rebel. Steve Jobs was a little bit of a rebel. He said in his own words that he'd rather be a pirate than join the Navy. Look at it. Look across society. Gandhi was a misfit. In fact, Gandhi originally trained as a lawyer. So Gandhi was a lawyer, but here he was in a loincloth, spinning his cotton, making change. And that is the quality of a leader. And I feel that this is something that we need to look inside ourselves and embrace. Because if you want to lead, what's holding you back isn't necessarily a lack of skill, but the opinions of other people. Do you care enough about those opinions? Do you care enough about being popular? Because if you do, you won't make change. Leadership is not a popularity contest. Because if you look at the crazy ones, as Steve Jobs calls them, and as Jack Kerouac called them, you know, they're the ones that make change. Why? Not because they're crazy. Not because they're somehow weird. That's not the reason why we change. The reason why we change is because they care less about the opinions of other people. They are the outliers, the holy fools, the deviants, the positive misfits. For them, it's all about taking people where they need to go rather than where they want to go. So here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, 
the troublemakers. The round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can praise them, disagree with them, quote them, disbelieve them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They invent. They imagine. They heal. They explore. They create. They inspire. They push the human race forward. Maybe they have to be crazy. How else can you stare at an empty canvas and see a work of art? Or sit in silence and hear a song that's never been written? Or gaze at a red planet and see a laboratory on wheels? While some of them may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. From the writings of Jack Kerouac. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. You know what to do on your favorite iTunes or Spotify platform, Be More Human by Graham Brown. 